Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time around. It's hard to believe that this December 8th marks the 34th anniversary of John Lennon's death. I remember it like it was yesterday. On the morning of the 9th, my parents had the incredibly difficult job of telling their 10-year-old son that his favorite Beatle had been killed the night before. It took a very long time to get used to the fact that John Lennon was gone, as it did for much of the world. For the next two weeks, we're going to feature his music from his Beatle years, as well as his solo career. The Beatles' third LP, A Hard Day's Night, was the first to only feature originals, and Lennon is the dominant force behind it, with 10 of the 13 songs being written primarily by him. The title track was a part of the first multi-track meltdown show, with single-tracked vocals, acoustic guitar, and bongos being highlighted. I had a request from Fernando Luna to play everything else. So we're going to start the show with just that. Next, we'll play the final track from the Hard Day's Night LP, an often forgotten song, I'll Be Back. The chord progression was based on the Del Shannon hit Runaway, and once again features Lennon's playful way of changing time signatures within a section, something that originally threw Ringo off in early takes. Although the song was written in 4-4 time, the group tried the song as a waltz in 6-8, but they quickly realized that it didn't flow well and switched back to a more standard rock beat with electric guitars. The group eventually changed to acoustic guitars, Harrison's four-note guitar phrase was added, and the song was complete in 16 takes. The use of both A major and A minor chords is a striking feature throughout. This mix will start as an instrumental and change to a more vocal-heavy mix at the halfway point. A hard day's night, and I'll be back.
you would realize That if I ran away from you That you would want me to That I'd gone a big surprise Oh, 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 oh You could find better things to do Than to break my heart again This time, I will try to show that I'm not trying to pretend. I wanna go, but I hate to leave you. You know I hate to leave you. Oh, 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 you. If you break my heart, I'll go. Two tracks from the Hard Day's Night soundtrack. After reverting back to the formula of their first two LPs of eight originals alongside six covers for their fourth LP, Beatles for Sale, the group released their fifth LP, which was the soundtrack for their second film, Help. This time, they went with 12 originals and two covers, with George Harrison contributing two of the original songs. Lennon and McCartney are finally on equal ground in the original department, with each contributing five songs that they either solely wrote or had the original idea for. We'll begin with another composition that showed the heavy influence of Bob Dylan on John Lennon. You've got to hide your love away. While Lennon had bared his soul on early songs such as Not a Second Time, I'll Cry Instead, I'm a Loser, and I Don't Want to Spoil the Party, You've Got to Hide Your Love Away takes this to another level. As Lennon explained in a 1980 interview, that's me in my Dylan period. I am like a chameleon, influenced by whatever is going on. If Elvis can do it, I can do it. If the Everly Brothers can do it, Paul and me can. Same with Bob Dylan. McCartney recalled Lennon's fondness for Dylan's lyrics. John particularly became very enamored of him because of his poetry. All those songs were great lyrically. Masses of cluttered lyrics like John had written in his books. So Dylan's gobbledygook and his cluttered poetry was very appealing. It hit a chord in John. It was as if he felt, that should have been me. And to that end, John on this one track did a Dylan impression. For this mix, we'll begin with a focus on the vocals before adding George's acoustic lead guitar. For the beginning of the second verse, we'll solo Lennon's 12-string Framus acoustic guitar before bringing the vocals back. We'll finish off with the beautiful flute solo, the first time a musician other than the Beatles or George Martin, or Norman Smith if you count the possible bongos he played on A Hard Day's Night, played on a Beatles song. Next, we'll be hearing take five of the title song of the album and film Help. While the Beatles had grown tremendously as artists over their first two and a half years, lyrically they still played it safe for their singles. That is until Help. In his 1980 Playboy interview, he elaborated, It's real. It's just me singing Help, and I meant it. When Help came out, I was crying out for help. Most people think it's just a fast rock and roll song. I didn't realize it at the time. I just wrote it at the time because I was commissioned to write it for the movie. But later, I knew I really was crying out for help. It was my fat Elvis period. You see, the movie, he, I, is very fat, very insecure, and he's completely lost himself. And I am singing about when I was so much younger and all the rest, looking back for how easy it was. I was fat and I was crying out for help. In a 1970 interview, this sense of lyrical honesty was addressed as well. The only true songs I ever wrote were Help and Strawberry Fields. They were the ones I really wrote from experience and not projecting myself into a situation and writing a nice story about it, which I always found phony. The lyric is as good now as it was then. It makes me feel secure to know that I was that sensible, aware of myself back then. That was with no acid, no nothing. Well, pot. For this mix, we'll begin with Lennon's 12-string Framus and Harrison's rhythm guitar chunks on his Gretsch Tennessean. For verse 3, we'll switch over to McCartney and Starr. Listen for McCartney's chordal playing during the breakdown. We'll finish off with the whole rhythm section in full swing. Two songs from the Help soundtrack. Here I stand, head in hand Turn my face to the wall If she's gone I can't go on Feeling two foot small Everywhere people stare Each and every day I can see them laugh at me And I hear them say 
fast forward to one of Lennon's masterpieces from the UK Revolver LP, one of three that was dropped from the US version and issued six weeks earlier in the US on the Capitol release yesterday and today. I featured this song in the past, but for this version it's all Lennon, rhythm guitar to the fore and lead vocals along with McCartney and Harrison's backing vocals. And your bird can sing. One, two, three, four. Tell me that you've got everything you want And your bird can sing But you don't get me You don't get me You 
Welcome back to the Beatles' multi-track meltdown and part one of the John Lennon sessions. Lennon often criticized McCartney for writing songs that were not about a real-life experience, but rather about third parties. But with being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, he joined his friend and partner in the fantasy land of 1967. While filming the promo for Strawberry Fields Forever, Lennon stumbled into an antique shop in Seven Oaks in Kent during a lunch break and purchased a circus poster. Lennon elaborated in a 1967 interview. It was from this old poster for an old-fashioned circus from the 1800s that I'd bought at an antique shop. We'd been filming a TV piece to go with Strawberry Fields Forever. There was a break, and I went into this shop and bought an old poster advertising a variety show which starred Mr. Kite. Yet another inspiration for a John Lennon lyric. Or was it purely Lennon? In a 2013 Rolling Stone interview, Paul elaborated on the writing of Mr. Kite. I have great memories of writing it with John. I read occasionally people say, oh, John wrote that one. I say, wait a minute, what was that afternoon I spent with him then looking at this poster? He happened to have a poster in his living room at home. I was out at his house, and we just got this idea, because the poster said being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, and then we put in, you know, there will be a show tonight, and then it was like, of course, then it had Henry the Horse, Dances the Waltz, you know, whatever, the Hendersons, Pablo Frankie, Somersets. We said, what are Somersets? It must have been an old-fashioned way of saying somersaults. The song just wrote itself. So yeah, I was happy to kind of reclaim it as partially mine. Lennon's directions as to how his songs should sound in the studio were often abstract, and being for the benefit of Mr. Kite was no different. He told George Martin that he wanted some kind of swirly music, you know? I want the sound of a fairground around my voice. I want to be able to smell the sawdust and the animals. I want to feel like I'm at the circus with Mr. Kite and the Hendersons and all that. In order to create this atmosphere, Martin thought that they needed a calliope, or steam organ, but the only ones available were of the punch card variety, meaning that you couldn't manually play the keyboard. Instead, Lennon played a Hammond organ for the oompa part, played at half speed, and Martin played the swirly lines on a Wurlitzer organ also at half speed, as well as harmonium, piano, and glockenspiel. Both engineer Jeff Emmerich and George Martin take credit for the idea of using various cut-up sound effects tapes thrown up in the air and spliced together in their respective books. But whoever came up with the idea, it was exactly what the song needed to create the fairground atmosphere. This is a true remix with various keyboard instruments, bass harmonicas, lead guitar played by Paul, drums, bass, and vocals coming in and out to give you a glimpse of an extremely revolutionary song. We'll follow that with another Lennon classic, I Am the Walrus. I Am the Walrus has as much to do with John Lennon as George Martin. The song was inspired by the sound of a police siren that Lennon heard at his home in Weybridge but it truly came to fruition with Martin's score for eight violins, four cellos, bass clarinet, and three horns. And the Mike Sam Singers, a very commercial group at the time, definitely ventured out of their comfort zone for this one. As Paul McCartney relates, John worked with George Martin and did some very exciting things with the Mike Sam Singers, the likes of which they've never done before or since, like getting them to chant Everybody's Got One, Everybody's Got One, which they loved. It was a session to be remembered. 
Most of the time, they got asked to do Sing Something Simple and all the old songs, but John got them doing all sorts of swoops and phonetic noises. It was a fascinating session. That was John's baby. Great one. A really good one. Lennon added to McCartney's recollection. I had this whole choir saying, everybody's got one, everybody's got one, but when you get 30 people, male and female, on top of 30 cellos and on top of the Beatles' rock and roll rhythm section, you can't hear what they're saying. Innovative ideas didn't stop at the tracking of I Am The Walrus. When mixing the mono version of the song, John had wanted the sound of a radio twiddling the dial on the outro. So Ringo twiddled away and settled on parts of Act 4, Scene 6 of The Tragedy of King Lear, broadcast on the BBC Third program that evening. This part of the song had only been available in mono until George and his son Giles Martin remixed the song for the album Love, painstakingly syncing the original King Lear dialogue with a new 5.1 mix of the song. The mix we'll hear this evening begins with drums, bass, Honer pianet played by John, and his outstanding lead vocals. We'll drop out the bass and pianet for the first verse, but we'll bring back the pianet along with George's often hard-to-hear guitar for the second verse. The strings, horns, and bass clarinet will enter for the middle section, and Ringo's drums will re-enter for the last verse and outro. Two psychedelic recordings from 1967. For the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on trampoline. The Hendersons will all be there, late of Pablo Frankie's fair, what a scene. Over men and horses, hoops and garters, lastly through a hogshead of real fire. In this way, Mr. K will challenge the world. The celebrated Mr. K performs his feet on Saturday at Bishop's Gate. The Hendersons will dance and sing as Mr. Kite flies through the ring. Don't be late. Mrs. K and H assure the public their production will be second to none. And of course, Henry the Horse dances the waltz. Mr. K performs his tricks without a sound And Mr. H will demonstrate Ten somersets he'll undertake on solid ground Ding bing, some days in preparation A splendid time is guaranteed for all And tonight Mr. Kite is topping the bill
February 1968, the Beatles were quite productive, completing their new single, Lady Madonna, backed with The Inner Light, as well as the first version of Lennon's Across the Universe, in four sessions at EMI Studios. Harrison had already recorded the instrumental for The Inner Light at EMI's facility in Bombay, India, on January 12, 1968, so they were ahead of the game. Since so much had been accomplished, they canceled a Saturday session scheduled for February 10th, reconvening at Studio 3 on Sunday to film a promotional clip for Lady Madonna before John and George departed for Rishikesh a few days later, followed by Paul and Ringo a few days after that. Rather than mime to the pre-recorded track of Lady Madonna, they filmed themselves recording Lennon's phenomenal Hey Bulldog, one of the few film clips of them actually recording in the studio. We'll begin with Lennon's piano and Starr's drums before adding vocals on the chorus. We'll drop out the piano and drums for Lennon's smoking double-track guitar solo played on Harrison's Gibson SG before bringing in McCartney's bass and the piano. Drums will re-enter for part of the outro, and we'll end it with Lennon McCartney's crazy ad-lib vocals and McCartney's bass work, along with a few out-of-tune notes and a couple of flubs. Hey, Bulldog. One, two, one, two, three, four.
say, I said, you know me more. I'm Anthony Robustelli, and welcome back to this special John Lennon edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Next up, a pair of songs recorded in 1969, one from Let It Be and one from Abbey Road. Dig a Pony was the penultimate song from the Beatles' final live performance from the rooftop of Apple Studios at 3 Savile Row on January 30, 1969. The band first attempted the song on January 2nd and rehearsed it on seven more occasions during the month of January. The song was originally titled All I Want Is You, and the lyric was heard at the beginning and end of the song, but producer Phil Spector edited out of the released version. The song is in 3-4 time and full of Lennon's wordplay. Once again, we have a song that uses odd bar numbers for both the verse and chorus, a favorite technique of Lennon's and apparent in many of his songs. This mix will highlight the guitars and vocals, with drums entering at the halfway point and bass toward the end. We'll follow with a song originally written for Timothy Leary's campaign for governor of California against Ronald Reagan, which promptly ended when Leary was sent to prison for possession of marijuana. Lennon elaborated a bit on the lyrics in his interview with David Sheff. The thing was created in the studio. It's gobbledygook. Come together was an expression that Leary had come up with for his attempt at being president or whatever he wanted to be. And he asked me to write a campaign song. I tried and I tried, but I couldn't come up with one. But I came up with this, Come Together which would have been no good to him. You couldn't have a campaign song like that, right? In 1973, Lennon was sued by Big Seven Music Corp, owned by Morris Levi, who was the publisher of Chuck Berry's You Can't Catch Me. Levi contended that it sounded similar musically to Berry's original and shared some lyrics. Lennon sang, Here come old flat top, he come grooving up slowly, and Berry had sung, Here come a flat top, he was moving up with me. After the case was settled out of court, Lennon promised to record three other songs owned by Levi. You Can't Catch Me and Yah Yah were released on Lennon's 1975 album Rock and Roll, but the third, Angel Baby, remained unreleased until after Lennon's death. Come Together was released as a double A side with Harrison Something, and while it reached number one in the U.S. charts, it only reached number four in the U.K. We're going to leave McCartney's signature bass line out for the majority of the song so we could focus on Lennon's lead vocals, McCartney's backing vocals, and the guitars. Look out for a Killing Fender Rhodes electric piano solo played by Paul. Celebrate anything you want Yes, you can celebrate anything you want Do a road hop Well, you can penetrate any place you go Yes, you can penetrate any place you go Like you wanted to 
close the show with two mixes of a tender ballad from John Lennon's second solo LP, Imagine. How? The first mix begins with Lennon's vocals and vibraphone, played by John Barnum. We'll then add the dual pianos played by John and Nicky Hopkins, before filling out the rhythm section with drums played by future Yes drummer Alan White, and bass played by the Beatles' old friend from their Hamburg days, and the artist that created the Revolver and Anthology album covers, Klaus Vormann. The second mix features Lennon's vocals and the beautiful string section arranged by Tori Zito, who had worked with Frank Sinatra and Quincy Jones, and played by the members of the Philharmonic that Lennon dubbed the Flux Fiddlers. How? How can I go forward when I don't know which way I'm facing? 
I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and you've been listening to this special John Lennon edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Tune in next week for Part 2 and more Lennon compositions from his Beatle years and after. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ShadyBearBKLYN and like the Facebook page for I Want to Tell You. You can pick up the book at Amazon or at the website, thebeetlesiwanttotellyou.com. See you next week.